All right, everybody, welcome back to the Hungover Pastor Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Justin Carner. Uh, we are in studio with Steve Carter, not Carner. I mean, it, it feels like it. we're so close. It's, we I look mean, similar. Well, we, we like the same teams. Well, we don't. That's what we got to get into first. Uh, my team, some would say college football America's team. Uh, they had a syndicate on NBC, just like I think that's how the Cubs got popular, because they're on WGN for everybody. That's, that's right. why there's Cubs fans all over the country. That's right. Notre Dame, football, uh, gross. Rudy. Gross. Remember the movie Rudy? I remember. Uh, beautiful movie. Hey, backstory on that movie, you know that's, we would not have Swingers, the movie, without Rudy, the movie. because Because that's where Vince Vaughn, who played Jamie O'Meara, 44, the running back, who was mean to Rudy and then let yeah. him, and then the tutor... John Favreau, they met. Oh, I never even put this together. In downtown South Bend, Vince no Vaughn became Trent. So, um, and, and Vince Vaughn has Chicago roots. Chicago roots. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Well, I just I love it because it's about the best football team in America. Yeah, zero and two, best team. That's zero and two. Well, we're having a tough time. I remember thinking, man, this felt different this year. The players are all like, "We're gonna shock. We're gonna blah blah blah." And then we lose. Right. Ohio State, respectable loss. At first, it was a tale of two halves. The first half, you guys were looking fantastic. And I will say, I still believe in Marcus Freeman. He's a heck Ooh. of a coach. I just hope, I hope he gets more time. And his recruiting class for the next couple of years is already really solid. Well, and that's why I felt, too. I noticed we we're starting to get a lot more of these recruits that we've been losing to, like, Alabama and these other programs. Um, I mean, no one's going to Michigan, so, like, that's what we're doing okay there. It's, it's, um, yeah, we were number know, four in the country. We're 2-0. You and guys o. had a draft pick, and now everyone's a Michigan fan. It's, I mean. You guys are. I haven't followed, to be honest. You were 2-0, though. We're 2-0. We, we looked fantastic. A kid from LaGrange, um, Illinois. Uh -oh. J.J. McCarthy became our starter. Um, he's a special kid, man. He just, he, whatever it is, he has it. He yeah. Has you're it. not losing to Marshall. We're not losing to Marshall. Yeah. That was the one where I was like, all right guys, Ohio state's understandable Marshall. Yeah. Uh, I was literally when, when you, you decided to come on, I was like, oh, we should do some type of bet. But now I don't feel comfortable making <laughs> literally any, I bet on the bears this yeah. week. Yeah. I put some money down on the bears. One big Big prize. That's big. I was the only. I don't believe in Trey Lance. Yeah. Uh, Bears is the same. I feel like my teams are in that flux right now. It's the same with the Bears. It's the same with Notre Dame, where it's like this new energy, this new yeah. coach. But maybe Chicago actually looks a little bit more the part to me. Well, I mean, I think you, you um, we were benefited by severe rains, and you'd think that Trey Lance coming out of North Dakota, he he would know what to do. He looked um, like. Like it was his first game yeah. ever. I mean, he just was not strong in the pocket, and which you know, another Illinois kid, Jimmy G. Just wonder Jimmy like G. how like was he just sitting there going, "Hey guys, I I know this weather, I know what to do." Like so, it'll be interesting. But um, I feel like it's a crazy crazy pills pick. I mean, to to pick him. I mean, Jimmy G. Got you there. Yeah. To let him. And you know, kind of float around in this weird space. Now you should have just let traded him, done something with him, him there. And they're always like, "It's good, it's good, it's not good." It's There's no way. Good. After how many 49ers fans right now are like, "Put him in, take Trey out, That's done." Right. I mean, we've been here before, right? Like, yes. 
Yeah, yes. it's uh, yeah. The weather was wild. That was one of the craziest. I mean, games I've ever seen. That slip so, and slide at the end was awesome. It was yeah. so good, I think, for the spirit that you could tell. Like, oh man, the, there's something. There's something that feels a little bit different than um, what has been the last couple of years. Yeah, they made a shirt. Yeah, it's Justin Fields sliding. <laughs> yeah, that's and it's, right. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, I, for week one, it's is it an overreaction? Are of course. We go- yes, we're going to. I'll say it right here. We're going to Super Bowl. Yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> But now I will say this: that is for sure a joke. But next week, if we beat the Packers at Lambeau, then I'm a believer. I I, I mean, here's here's the truth: two things. The Packers always start off slow; they come yep. in strong. Secondly, is what's frustrating too about the Niners losing and the Bears winning is I I just wanted this year to be uh, get us a high draft pick year. Yeah. And <laughs> these are games like we win the games we shouldn't win, and we lose the games you know uh, we shouldn't lose. We're and gonna so, be right there in the middle. That's how be. I feel. We're I gonna get know. right there in the middle again. We're probably gonna miss the playoffs by like one game. I know. Aaron Rodgers is gonna own us. It's kind of like the he, the yeah. tale of the the because you are a Bears fan, right? I, just I am. To, yeah, yeah. Does that conflict with like how bad Michigan is with how good the Bears? Is? Um, we're both. We're you know what's amazing about Michigan and the Bears is we haven't lost yet. Notre Dame uh, hasn't won yet. Cubs, Notre Dame, I'm in a dark, dark I'm sports the Cubs. world. But I like I said, hopefully it all goes well. Uh, well, yeah, like I said, I don't think we'll make a bet because I don't, I don't feel any type of comfortable. Uh, I've been to Notre Dame when they beat Michigan before. That's like the best feeling in the world. Uh, I'm glad we're back though. That that's when they took it away for a couple years. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, as much as we don't like each other. It's the beauty of college it's, sports, it's right? The two winningest programs, you yeah. know, and so and and I think I think we're back in the schedule late twenty the twenty twenties or in early twenty thirties, you know, so, yeah, which is a bummer, but like it, it is good. It's yeah. good for football. We need to be back. That's you know, it's like if they took away Bears Packers. That's how I feel. Yeah. About it. So and we need those. Right. I mean, obviously, like the Texas Alabama game, like you need that. You need like, that. If Texas would have won, it would have flipped the whole college thing upside down. Hundred percent. So, yeah, well, jumping away from sports a little bit, I am not an athlete myself. I don't know about you. Um, but no, I, uh, just for the people who aren't out there, if you just want to kind of introduce yourself, tell people where you're from, um, you used to live in my mentor's basement, that's pretty cool. Anything like that that you just kind of want to uh, jump off and help people get to understand who you are a little bit more. Yeah, my name's Steve Carter. I grew up in Southern California, uh, Ventura County. And went to college at Cal State Fullerton. Gotcha. I was a walk-on, played basketball there. And so um, you are an athlete. My I bad. mean, my bad. Hey, I I sat the bench. I got free shoes. That's but, basically. But are you today? Are you the, the white guy like at the Y that like everyone sleeps on, and then you just go out there and just clown people? I, I mean, I would say I'm probably a few years removed from that. But there was definitely there was definitely a run where that would happen. That's um, my favorite. There's yeah. a there's a viral video right now of a 70 year old. Um, it's a bunch of videos. Tax cab driver from New York, totally just draining, draining. crazy shots like yes. in Timberlands. Yes, yes, that's you. Yes, yes. Uh, well, so minus the cab. My, you know. yeah. Um, so I I ended up um, kind of moving out to Grand Rapids, Michigan, yeah. and because my my parents came to faith actually later in life. I came uh, to faith in like seventh grade, based on two juniors in high school who I I didn't know anything. Um, about them outside that they were funny, they were leaders, they played sports, they were just good guys. Yeah, their names were Dominic and Nathan, but they went by the name Dominate, which is just awesome. <laughs> and, oh, they had a duo nickname. Oh yeah, yeah, they ran oh, for that's s- the dream for a student council. But like Dominic came up to me one day and said, "Hey, Carter, you want to learn how to dominate life?" And um, and I was like, "Sure." And uh, he and Nate would pick me up, take me to In and Out. They discipled me, and about six months later, I got baptized. And so I was I was newer to faith. 
And then my parents came to faith, my mom, my senior year of high school, my dad, my sophomore year of college. Yeah. So I'm set to be the backup point guard at Cal State, and I've been working my tail off for this. And my dad comes out of the baptism waters, and he's like, man, I feel like God spoke to me, and I'm supposed to sell out of my company. He was vice president of a massive like property management firm. Oh, gotcha. And he's like, I feel like I'm supposed to move home to Grand Rapids and restore a relationship with my folks. Does, does, God, does God work that way? And I was like, well, I don't know if God has us leave California to go to Grand Rapids. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> you might want to recheck. Yeah. Maybe it's a little yeah. the snow. I moved up here. I, I'm born in Rockford, Illinois. Yeah. Moved to Miami, then moved back freshman year, and I got that question you probably got. Yes. Why? 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 Yes. What about the beach? I'm like, yes. Because I'm 14. I can't choose. <laughs> you know, I don't get to pick. You know, probably similar to that. Yeah. You're like, I don't want to leave California. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And and I, you know, it was amazing. So this was '99. I'm a sophomore in college. And I just saw, you know, God at work in my parents' life. And so we we rolled out, and that's right when a church, Mars Hill, in Grand Rapids, that was started by Rob Bell. Um, I got there, I think, like week five in the first— Oh, of so five, you're in the Leviticus days. Leviticus days. So my Ooh. first, like, three times I showed up, I got turned away by a fire marshal. And the fourth yeah. time I had to literally sneak in, like it was a concert, and I just walked in, and he just said, hey, we're turn with me to Leviticus chapter 8. And I'm like, what the heck is this thing? Yeah. And it was in a homeschool building, which is just funny to me that they had a building. and it's Yeah, a homes- that's, that's kind of like a popular thing today. Yeah. I, They're like, we don't want you in school, but then we don't want you all the way. It's like a middle. Yeah, like, yeah. Here's some kids here's that a- we've... Picked yeah, for you to yeah, be around yeah, that yeah. probably aren't on drugs. Or yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But in, in those, for you guys who don't know, listening, uh, so Rob Bell's church, he preached Leviticus. Was it the first year? Yeah, the first, yeah. And like and like Steve just said, like so many people that the fire marshal had to turn people away. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm a pretty decent communicator, I yeah. believe, but... If you're like, hey, you're going to teach Leviticus here, I'd be like, I'm out. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, totally. I'm out. And even I've church shot places where they're like, we're on this serious i'm like oh never coming back here but somehow it just works he you sneak your way in you sneak your way in and he just i mean he he, there was a sound of all these people who just turning the page of the bible it just it was it was like listening to death cab for cutie for the first time you're like this is gonna be something this guy has something and how many people then at the i mean just because you know you know i know it's you, you know obviously fire marshal but that could be a yeah. giant building, a small building, or I think there was about fifteen hundred chairs in there. Wow. Um, so yeah, and then then they they were given a mall, and there was like you know twelve thousand. I think it's the fastest growing U.S. church to like twelve thousand ever. Wow. It just it it exploded on Leviticus. On Leviticus, some churches are like we're giving away an iPod or you know whatever it is you know we're giving yeah. away or you know it's easy to get people in the door, but to be like. Just hey, we're gonna teach one of the slowest, yeah. hardest to yeah. understand books of the Bible. Totally, and there was no sign. There was yeah. no sign for the church. Oh, it's like the restaurants just, yeah. that are like hidden that <laughs> totally. you're, you got to know how to get there. It was so bizarre. That's you know? wild. So, yeah, so I I ended up. Um, Rob took an interest in me, and really, I mean, changed the trajectory of my life because I I was a film major, and he just said, "Hey, man," um, he had just gotten back from Israel. And some guy had pulled him aside and Jesus never changed the world by speaking to the masses. He changed the world by having disciples. So who are you pouring your life into? And Robert didn't have an answer. And he and his wife, Kristen, like prayed on the way back. And somehow my name came up. And uh, he called me from the airport and said, hey, graduate as fast as you can. Come live in my basement. I'll teach you everything I know. And let's change the world one West Michigan at a time. How, how cr- I mean, how crazy. I mean, was that something that you even had on 
like your peripheral? I mean, is that something that just kind of blew you away or what? Well, I was, I was back in California at this time. I spent the gotcha. first nine months that I moved there and that's when I realized I wanted to go into ministry. So I went back to California and I had just been basically getting denied from different internship opportunities. Gotcha. And so the, the, the weird part was I had been praying, man, I wish somebody could help me grow as a communicator. Rob's in Michigan. There's no way that could happen. You know, it was just kind of felt so yeah. far away. And then I got that ask and it was like my confidence level. I mean, the opportunity, everything just changed. And I spent a year in his basement and then <laughs> um, I, I kind of stayed on staff for about seven years and yeah. then went back to California, was at a church called Rock Harbor. Then I went to Willow Creek and was uh, there for about seven years and then um, stepped out. And that was out of like a ton of just like trauma and drama which i know is like a lot of the heart of this podcast and, yeah. and talking through that so we can chop that up for sure but then um has spent kind of the last like three and a half years in the desert literally literally uh, yeah. and figuratively <laughs> totally and 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 we just ended up coming back to to arizona i mean from arizona to uh illinois yeah because so. arizona's i remember the first time i ever visited and people say it's hot and then you get out and you're like what is this it yeah. feels like another like dimension or something i mean it like your shoes can literally melt to the ground i mean you see all, all dogs have those like those socks the on little booties yeah <laughs> you're like yeah, it, yeah it's so hot that there's asphalt. no grass that's right that's right so you no. see a golf course you're like oh yeah there's uh, some great golfing out there yeah. great snowboarding oddly enough there is when there you go is. high enough yeah but yeah so you're in those places and um then you just came back we just came back we moved back about two months ago and okay so you know, where we connected at Four City Church in Rockford, they started a campus in Elgin. And so um, kind of on like the leadership team for Rockford and Elgin. And then I, my home base is predominantly in Elgin. I teach there two to three times a month. Okay, gotcha. Yep. And then we'll kind of circle back around, but was it kind of like a, a hard decision? You know, you're almost, a, I call it a hired gun, right? Like you're kind of speaking all over the place. I just look you up on YouTube. I mean, there's tons of places that you're doing messages at. And I always tell people, it's like, being in a band. Yeah. Like my favorite band is Counting Crows. No way. They're doing Mr. Jones a lot. Yes. So you can create that message that, you know, you know perfectly, you can communicate it. It's easy work, but you also, it's impactful work, right? Yeah. You know that you've done a good job. It's so much harder than I believe to then just kind of come into a place where it's like all the time totally. and live in life with people again. And because you, when you're a hired speaker, it's a lot of times it's, you know, you can kind of disconnect pretty easy. You're yeah. going to get on a plane. You're not going to see these people maybe again, or you might see them every once in a while, but it's not like that living life with people. Yeah. So was that a hard choice for you to kind of jump back into that or? Yeah, for sure. And, and, <clears throat> you know, kind of the way I had set it up was I, I had the option to do 52 different weekends, you know? And so you could have like a one-off talk at 52 different yeah. churches but I really, I, I think part of who I am is um, is a pastor, and I really, really enjoyed the familiarity with people. And I wanted somewhere where I felt more like family, not a guest. Yeah. And so I, I set up contracts with like five different churches, and one of those was Four City in Rockford. And so, um, but we've really tried to teach our kids agency. And just uh, when we, when my son was going into high school, I said, "Hey, we won't move. So where you start, we'll stay." Whoa, okay. So so where where do you want to be? And I I didn't know if he'd say California or North Carolina. Maybe he'd say Arizona or whatever. And he maybe Spain. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, we, yeah, we had you no know. idea. And he was like, if I could have my choice, we'd go back to our old neighborhood. And my daughter, who's nine now, was like, 
that's what I want to do too. Because they've been away, but that's where they spent, they grew up. Right? Totally. I mean, that's like that was their it. formative years of their life is in that place. Yeah, and with COVID, like they were they were gaming and they were watching you know Netflix and they were they were so connected. And so for us, it just was like, oh man, who moves back to their Chernobyl? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? But but you but you'll do anything for your kids. Yeah. And and so I'd say we stepped back in twenty doors down from where we oh, used your to original live, house? from our oh, original awesome. house and. You know, which is probably, um, you know, if, if you're on a golf course, we're, if, if where we live is hole one, hole four is where where Willow is. Oh, so okay. our So we're really close to where that is. Yeah. And we're close to where Elgin's campus is, about 15, 20 minutes. So, so, but it's 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 like all of it, the best of times, the worst of times, like moments of sheer joy and delight, seeing your kids happy, and moments where you get triggered, and 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 all of what is in between yeah it's kind of that hero's journey Dude. you know i, I mean i'm yeah. like you i've kind of lived all over again but like rockford's always been home yeah and it's been that place like no matter like lost it's like we got to go back no matter how far away i get it just feels like this place and you know for you guys who don't know like rockford's rough i mean there's it's changing and it's growing but it's always on a forbes list yep fattest saddest deadliest worst chain restaurant i mean it's just whatever list you could think of that's here but um my dad passed away mm. and for me that moment was like whoa yeah like we don't have as much time as we think and my family was all here and i was like we got to come back no matter what that takes it's like yeah. time with family is number one and that's why I, in a different way i can relate to you saying hey it's your guys's choice yep. right because that's the stuff that you can't ever get that's back right. that's you right. know so yeah yeah that's awesome and then so tell us a little bit about uh we'll go f- Begin, we'll go to, to the end and then go backwards. So yeah. tell us a little bit about Elgin. So it's an awesome building. I, one of my favorite things, you guys have this kind of older church yeah. with like new guts. Like, yeah. you know, it's like those Broncos that they take the <laughs> 68 Bronco and then yes. put all new stuff inside. Yes. And they're like, it's it's vintage. You're yes. like, it has Bluetooth. Yes, yes. It's the same. That's how I look at it for you guys. Yeah. It I, So it's a, it's a Latino-speaking Seventh-day Adventist church. <laughs> and so they meet Fridays and Saturdays. And okay. so they have nothing on Sundays. And so... Really, for us, we were able to come in and um, they, you know, help them out with some rent and and it really helps us out. And they got a cool little balcony and, you know, it, it, they say it can squeeze 500 in there. And I'm like, that yeah, seems tough. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, so, but it's great. You know, we, we're, we're about 300 people and, um, and it's, it's like we're starting out. We're, we've been doing this for almost a year now and um, we're trying to figure out how to, really be an embodiment of this cruciform life and i think there's a lot of people in the northwest suburbs who have experienced a lot of church pain and hurt and i i don't i'm not saying i underestimated that i just um i realize more than ever the the courage it takes for people to hope again to walk into a church and so there's this moment of gratitude and you know, don't don't screw this up, Carter. You know what I mean? Like, just there's a, resp- yeah. a weightiness that I don't think I felt in my early 30s that I feel deeply, deeply. Yeah, because I think it's. I mean, I, I know we we all want to pretend like numbers and those things don't matter, and but it's a humbling experience. You know, when you're speaking at one of the biggest churches in America, when you're guest speaking at some of the biggest churches in America, hearing all these people to say, "Hey, again, Elgin." Yeah. I know a lot about Elgin, you know, Midwest yeah, Illinois. Yeah. There's a big old casino in the middle and that's, that's right. about it. I, you know, but to say like, hey, like I want that skin on skin relationship with people. I want to be a pastor because that's something I notice a lot of times is like there's been this big divide in, 
you know, what they call communicator, which is not a word I've ever saw in the Bible. Um, but, and then pastor, which, you know, some will teach and some will not. But I think that's what's hard for me is when you can teach, how do you teach if you don't know your people? That's and right. So that that's very honorable to me to be like, hey, I want to live life again. That's yeah. my favorite part. I've been hired at different churches. And that first little bit when you, you know, you go over to the 80-year-old people's house and they do a potluck for you and you get to know them. And yeah. those are all really cool things. But again, I think humbling in the sense of like, if you know where you've come from, um, to say, hey, I'll take this assignment. Yeah. You know, it's like if like a Notre Dame quarterback like transferred to Michigan, like that's yeah. got to be rough <laughs> for them. It's the same kind of scenario. Dude, have you seen the show The Bear? So I teach culinary in high school. Okay. Uh, and I just told my students, I said, hey, I can't tell you to watch this show because it's very vulgar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you want to know what it's like to work in a kitchen, The Bear is the closest thing I've ever seen. It's So the, I, I let's take that from a church standpoint. So whatever he had at New York, yeah. I feel like I had at Willow. Oh, that's a great, yeah, that's a then, great comparison. You know what I mean? Like the best of the best, the yep. budgets that were bonkers, like all of that stuff from sound and help and, you know, just... Your your life was super easy, and then I feel like, you know, he went to River North, you know, I, I went to Elgin, but there's something in that grittiness yeah. that, an embodiment that's been, um, I don't know, like I just, I resonate so much with it, and, um, you know, younger staff, smaller staff, but like, yeah, people who, who really, who really want to see something good happen, so yeah. And I'll add another layer to that metaphor is you you brought some good chefs with you yeah did i know you guys have some people from uh the south some people from michigan that's right um so you know you brought some the sous chef you know like yes. kind of he that's does right. he brought that with him to make sure you know hey we're gonna do this we're gonna make this change but i need some people that kind of have my back and yeah. understand where we're going that's right so that's right how do you feel like you guys like teams going well you guys are meshing well like yeah i mean i think i think what we're so if if we step back and we talk like church hurt, right? What often is never really referenced is the secondary trauma. So the the hmm. so for me, my experience at Willow, and for some that don't know, um, allegations uh, came out about my mentor um, at Willow, which, like you said, was one of the largest churches in the country. Yeah, it came out through the Chicago Tribune, and then more stories started to come. And there was just a there was a number of pieces that I started to find out, like the elders had known for many many years, and some of these stories. And and again, we're talking pre like real estate crazy over the last couple of years, but pre 2018 a third of a billion dollars in assets wow so so when you start to think of the power yeah the the we got to preserve and protect the institution and the organization and all of the ministries and all of the good that's connected to it um it, it you, you saw a group of people starting to huddle in so for me I, willow didn't hurt me um five people uh hurt me and 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 then what I think is like some good people did evil. Yeah. And then some really good people got left holding the bag, like staff. Yeah. And some really, really good people um found themselves really disrupted. Um, so congregation, kids, students, students uh, or kids of staff members, where they were like, What happened? And so, because it was pretty fast, right? Was, I mean, yeah. the Tribune piece came out, and then I feel like it was like—I mean, it was like do 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 do—the dominoes yeah. then really started falling. Totally, and 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 again, um, 
the women the women walked through that and did it the right way yeah you know and 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 they 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 tried every angle every opportunity and and i think you know for for many people who don't understand is if you're a woman and you know information and then you believe that some women are being abused currently and you don't say anything like yeah that like or if you're a dude and don't say anything yeah so so to their credit they were like this could be continuing because they had heard um, a woman on staff had made an allegation. So so all of that guts, and we're talking, I mean, a couple of them, their careers. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the things that were said about these women. So heroes, brave, yeah. wounded resistors, I think is what Laura Berenger calls them and Scott McKnight. But they, they, they were so courageous. Well, well, now it's like they do this. March, the story comes out. I think April, Bill's out. August, another story comes out. I'm out. Then three days later, after I transition, all of the the elders and the other lead pastor has to step down. They resign. So just because everyone was looking at them and saying, you mishandled this. Right. And so, so all of that, then it's left in this congregation's hand to go, man, I... I built this place. I mean, yeah. and the thing about Willow is founding families, right? Founding I mean, families. they've been there forever. Yeah, and and Justin, like you, you have to understand, um, two hundred and seventy-two people showed up at a local community bank in Palatine in nineteen eighty, and took out a personal loan so that they could buy the property and the building that they currently are in. Wow. So you're, you're, and they were like 20 somethings. They were 30 somethings, yeah. like $2,000, like never. Whatever kind of they whatever had. Whatever they yeah. had. It wasn't like some big guy was like, hey, I got millions no. of dollars. Here you go. Take it. I mean, so it, it, it cost them something it to do that. Them. Yeah. Exactly. So there's a beautiful story. Yeah. And people had given time and sweat and tears. And then I was like, what? What? And so, so what's tricky is, you know, you can, you can have firsthand wounds. And you can have secondhand wounds. Yeah, you can have firsthand healing, but you can't have secondhand healing. Mm. That ha- and so so a lot of people who don't then have access to some of those decision makers or some of those ones who who did harm are left like holding this cognitive dissonance of this dude baptized me, and is this true? This all of this good that discipled my kids. And yet this, and, and it's like, they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, because I think that's the hard part. You know, even as I, I listen to the Mars Hill podcast. Yeah. Um, and that's that that was the victim. I mean, I let me say this first, because I'm sure this is one of many stories that we'll talk about, the Willow Creek incident and other things. I don't think any of these people started off to do wrong. I don't think uh, Mark Driscoll. I don't think Bill Hybels. Um, the stuff that's just got exposed with Hillsong. I don't think anybody was like, hey... I'm going to start this off to make tons of money, become an egomaniac, get tons of influence, and then write books. I don't think it starts that way. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard. Any human being, we can pretend all we want and point fingers. Anytime you get that much influence over people, anytime that many people 
are waiting to talk to you and that many books you sell. I think our ego, which is very humanistic of us all, it does stuff. And I think that's when the perversion starts. And like you said, $3 billion in assets, right? Like that's a lot of money to control. You know, that's a lot of stuff that, you know, it's this, we're not just talking like you get up and teach on a Sunday and you go home. Yeah. No, this is a corporation. It's a church, but it's also a corporation. Right. So that's, that's what's, I think sometimes people overlook is like, you said it was a humanistic error, right? Yeah. And I'm not condoning anything. Yeah. Uh, I just always try to get a little bit of an understanding of like, yeah, this happens. Yeah. Totally. 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 Yeah. The dude, what's his name from Hillsong is just going to not have a shirt on. You see, you know, yep. he's beautiful. Yep. He's yep. a beautiful man. Yep. But that's, you know, that's our humanistic side of things. Like we've all said stuff on a stage that we we're, then we listen to, we're like, oh, I yeah. should not have said that. Yeah. Or, you know, left somewhere and, and felt good about something that really had, did nothing with us. It was all about God. Yeah. And I think, that's just putting a little bit humanistic beside some of that stuff. For because sure. I get what you're saying, right? Because I'm thinking, like, what was it? How much loss? Do you know, like, the like congregation size? Like, half maybe? More? I think more. So then you think about, all right, so we lose half the people, which means we lose probably half of the giving, which means we have all these people that are relying on it. We moved them here. We got them here to work. They're yeah. mentoring my kids. They're doing, they're, you know, leading this team. And now what? Yeah. So, um, what was it? What was it like for you to personally step step away? Like, what were the things for you that were like, "Hey, I'm not. This is not good for me anymore." Yeah. Well, I I didn't want to. Yeah. I mean, those were my people, um, and I the willow I had known had always done the harder right, and um, and so I I I actually believed that they were going to do the right thing. Gotcha. And my wife was like, uh, no, they're there. This is, they, yeah. they, they, they've had chance after chance after chance. And I, I just, I wanted to believe and I'm, I'm a hopeful optimist. Yeah. You know? So yeah. there's, so for me, it was August 5th, 2018. And my phone about 5am started blowing up. It was all people from the East Coast just saying, dude, you see this, you see this, you see this. And the New York Times article had dropped. Because they get it a couple hours before, yep, you know. Yep. Yeah. And it had dropped regarding um, Bill's former assistant mm. who came out with a story. And, and it was just terrible. And it was the New York Times. And New York Times isn't going to print a story. Chicago Tribune is not going to print a story. Their right. lawyers have to go through this everything. This isn't the choir. No, this isn't no. like some it's not blog post. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's this, not a Zanga. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's a real deal. It's a real deal thing. And I just, I realized, oh my goodness, this, this, this is, um, this is really bad. And, and I, and, and there had already been stories that had been already bad. And I just said, we have to, we have to go, we have to go forward and say, this is wrong. And we have to, we have to like ask him to repent. We have to, you know, there's things that we have to do. And some of the leadership didn't want to do it. And I, I got this like viscerally sick and there's so much in this, in one sense, right when the first story came out in March, um, we did a family meeting and, um, you know, a couple thousand people showed up. And Bill had asked me, hey, Steve, will you be on stage? Like, the people trust you. And I was like, I don't know these stories. I feel like I'm just finding out. And he's right. like, hey, it would mean a lot to my family and me. And so I said, okay. And I got on that stage. It's it's one of my top three regrets in my life. Because at that point, like you said, that's not just somebody. That's like your mentor. Like, yeah, that's your, totally. your leadership. Yeah, yeah that's your guy. guy. Like that's, you know what I mean? And, and, and I, you know, the Stephen Colbert had this great moment because his guy – 
was head of CBS mm-hmm. and you know, he, he came out after, um, allegations of abuse, sexually in power, um, had come out about his mentor. And he was like, let me just say one thing. Nobody's done more for my career than this guy. When people would have canceled me, um, he gave me another shot. He invested money into yeah. this studio to make it the way for me that I desired it to be. He's like, all of that is true. And if accountability isn't for everyone, then what's the point? Yeah, that's and, perfectly said. And he's like, yep. and if as much as I love my mentor, um, you have to hold everyone accountable. And I just felt, I felt very similarly to that. Yeah. Um, and so when this st- last story had come out, I just said like, guys, we're not, we're not going to do it. I, I threw up. Um, and this is like before he wants you to speak at the family meeting. No, no, I'm so sorry. This is August 5th. But at the family meeting in March, gotcha, I'm like gotcha, jumping back and okay. forth. In March, I just stood on that stage and I, I wish I had never been there. Yeah. Um, and what I, I did a couple things in that meeting. One, being present on that stage. But two, there were things that were being said. And you know this from being on stage. like, And even just doing a podcast, sometimes you're, you're reading your guest. And if you find that someone's energy is is like a little bit higher you can insert humor to try and bring them down and that's what i did gotcha. i saw him ramping up because i knew him because his like anger within reminded me of my dad's like mm. pre-christ and so yeah. i i knew how to read him and read um what he needed to like lower and i made jokes that minimized the women's story. Yeah. That's on me. Yeah. That I did that. Nobody else had me, forced me to get on that stage and nobody had else forced me to say what I said. And I regretted that and had to go to each of the women and apologize. Yeah. Um, so, so then when they're like, we're not going to say anything in August, a few months later, and I'm just going to go on stage. I felt like I was in a situation where I told these women, women already, I'm sorry, I should have never been on that. I was going to be doing the same exact thing. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I, they didn't want to say anything. I got sick. I went, I like threw up and I went home oh. and I didn't go on stage. I was like the guy who didn't show up to service. We had Saturday night service. I was there. I did not go to Sunday service. It was like all over Twitter. Steve's not here. What's going on? And then um, like the band's getting up. Exactly. No, <laughs> no band. No band. Yeah. yeah. And I just had like, I had my covers over my head and my bed and my wife came to me and after about 30 minutes, she's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I got to resign. Yeah. And this, this whole thing kind of, um, had transpired online via blog posts and articles and Twitter. And because we had, I think eight services, um, or eight campuses and the campuses were at week delay. I knew even if I got up on stage and just was like, all right, timeout gang. Here's what I believe. I believe he did it. I believe. Do, 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 do. I yeah. believe these people need that. That would have been the worst thing ever for the congregation. But not everybody would have heard it. You know, not yeah. everybody would have seen it. You know, I could have been like, "All right, take your phone out, put this on." Like, I, it would have. The best thing that I knew, and I'm not saying I did it the right way, but the best thing that I knew to try and get this one message out to as many people at the same exact time was to do it via blog. Yeah, and I resigned that way, and I drove to Madison with my family because we had already people like news cameras at our house. Jeez, and so it was just it was a because it's a, I mean that's a big story. I mean again, if yeah. you're listening, you don't know Willow Creek. Willow Creek is one of the biggest churches in the country, uh, super influential. Like I my some of my earliest people I listened to growing up was 
of Bill Hybels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came to faith and I remember listening to some of his messages on leadership and yeah. all these things. And uh, obviously being close proximity to Willow Creek, I mean, media wise, super influential all over the country. Yeah. Uh, it, we're not talking just like a corner. I mean, this is a cornerstone of Christianity in America. Yeah. So when, when that crumbles, I mean, obviously that's going to get everyone's attention. Yeah. So, yeah. So you do the you do the post. You take your family. You're like, we got to get the out of here. Yeah. Because you know, obviously, protector of your kids and yep. all that stuff first yep. before anything. Um, then what? And then I just shut down my phone. Yeah. You know, and I think probably like 11:30 p.m. I turn my phone on, and you know, um, I mean, it's just flooded with text messages, like just like just just coming in like crazy. And then the phone rang, and it was Rob. And wow. and it was like he's like, Hey man, I'm in I think Brazil. And I just <laughs> he's heard always somewhere. Yeah, totally. And he just said, uh, let's talk. And so that was really helpful. I turned my phone off after that. And um I got up um the next day and I just I mean, I was just struggling, bro. Like yeah. I it was you know, like an addict to work and an addict to the lights, I had a a quick detox. I never got to say goodbye. Yeah. So all of all of my social media was either love or hate. It was a five or a one. And a place you cared about. Too. And a place I deep. Yeah. I still care about. Yeah. Like I. I. So. So it was a couple months later. I'm walking into Starbucks with my son to get a drink, and because there's no Velvet Robot in the Northwest suburbs yet, bro. That's a problem. Um, that's a problem. We're gonna work on okay. that. Okay. Come on. And um. <laughs> so I. Uh, I. I. Uh, I walk in there and. A woman comes up to me and and just goes after me in front of my son who's mm. in fifth grade and and he's he's like holding my shorts and looking at me and looking at her looking at me looking at her and she's like you're a coward you abandoned us you only care about yourself and I'm and I just take it and as we're walking to the car my son who's like he came out like in a cardigan like an old soul and he just said <laughs> dad you always told me that if we uh if we do the right thing, we get rewarded. Mm. Um, so either you didn't do the right thing or you lied to me. As a fifth grader. As a fifth grader. You're like, holy buckets. And I just, yeah. I, I it, like, the only thing I can say is like the spirit of God gave me like some word where I just said, hey, remember when mom was like pregnant with your sister um, and she threw up like twice a day for all nine months? Like, when mom was pregnant, it didn't feel worth it. But when we held mercy for the first time, yeah, it was all worth it. Yep. I'm like, I have no idea when we're going to hold mercy. Um, it might be in nine months. It might be in nine years. I don't know. Yeah. But I promise you, I promise you it's going to be worth it. But right now, it just really sucks. And that's so hard in front of your children. Oh, man. Because, you know, I'm a new dad, one-year-old yeah. kid. But, like, if anything, you know, I can't – I would protect her from everything in the world that I could. So to have something like that – and they don't comprehend, right? You know, when he's looking at you, looking at yeah. – it, it seems very drastic. I'm sure it's probably everyone in there is noticing, you know, yeah. what's happening. Oh, and It's totally. pretty traumatic. Totally. And, and kids are so – kids are very perceptive. They're just oh, crappy yeah. interpreters of reality. Yeah. So what they perceive – isn't the problem. It's the story that they create based on their perception is where they get in danger. And so where I wanted to be a helpful guide to him was, okay, wait, what just happened with that woman? It's not, not right. Not fair. But what you're experiencing right now, um, and this is all part of the collateral damage. Like when this is, this is the problem is like whatever mega church pastor who fails to have character, 
whatever whatever mother or father fails to have character, whatever business leader fails to have character, what nobody ever thinks about isn't the collateral damage of a fifth grader yeah. standing in a Starbucks par- parking lot. It, it, it's not thinking about the kid who his whole life is being uprooted and having to move away and just trying to go, but what did I do? It, like, because it's just in the moment they're yeah. thinking, you know? And so, so part of that has had to be trying to help my son understand. But after leaving Starbucks, I was like, I can't stay here. Yeah. And I think it was that week. Um, I feel like I just woke up and it was like, go to the desert and wait for instructions. Yeah, like we just got to go. We just got to go. And I, I didn't think it was literal. I just thought it was more metaphorical. Like I just got to, I got to go somewhere where I can just process because everything in me wanted to go achieve because that's what I have muscle memory to yeah, do. I'm the same. Yeah. Anytime like, I've had similar situation, not anything similar, but yeah, downs. It's like, oh, let's go conquer. Let's go conquer let's go something. Feel good again. It, yeah, exactly. And I just felt like I needed to sit in the sit Shiva in like the whole pain and sadness of this whole thing and and really begin to untangle what the hell happened. Because it was fast. It I mean, was you know, fast. even listen to it, it's like, wow, it's like Madison, Star, you know. Yep. Now in this season, obviously, like a couple things. Like, what was your wife? How was she feeling about all this? Because obviously she's your partner. Yeah. You know, not just along for the ride, equal. Yeah. And then were you at any time like, I'm done? Like, F ministry, this is like tarnished me for, like, I can't yeah. go back. Or was it the thinking like, I can't go back? Like, if people perceive what you did was wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe you're not welcome on some of those stages yeah. anymore. Maybe you're not, you know, like all the, you know, the inner circle around a lot of these leaders who yeah. morally compromised then it's projected that you would be the same. Yeah, so. yeah. No, I think, so what's, what was interesting was people outside of Willow saw what I did and were like, you did the right thing. Thanks yeah. for having integrity. People inside thought I bailed on them. Yeah. And I can, I can understand that now. I couldn't understand it at first, but I had the trust in the heart of the congregation. And so for me to step out, it, it, it forced them into a level of complicity and cognitive dissonance that they were like, Oh no, 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 no. Like you were going to help guide us through this, you know? So, so that there, there was some stuff there. I think for me, and maybe it's just because I've seen enough, um, unfortunate situations with pastors and leaders. Um, we're all beautiful and we're all broken. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, it wasn't the church who hurt me. It was five people. Yeah. So like my, my, my practice and process to ask for, my heart to be prepared for to forgive and to reconcile potentially someday has been to do my work mm. with those five. Yeah. But those five don't have control over my career and calling and future. Now I, 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 I look over the Northwest suburbs and there's that verse where it says like Jesus looked over Jerusalem and he wept like, cause they were sheep without a shepherd. i feel some like there's there's no area in the country right now that has been so rocked i mean five large churches in that area have just experienced some real trauma and tragedy and i just go like you know what i i still think character wins and i still i i i want to give people hope um i want to to show people that as my dad used to always say um change adversity into opportunity like and I f- still feel called to pastoring. I, 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 that local embodiment is something I just, I believe in. And I'll be really, really honest. My wife doesn't. Yeah. 
my it's 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 too traumatic it's um and and so that's that's definitely something we've had to like work through and and to her credit she's like hey just because i don't want to step in and watch you teach and be like the co-lead person or be there yeah um you should totally do it you just um yeah, I just you just can't count on me being there. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think in a lot of ways it's very encouraging because I don't think a lot of spousal support comes like that. Yeah. It's, you so, know, like. Well, and I think I think I've had I had to learn that earlier in our marriage. You know, and I, I you know she she's so funny. She's like, hey, if you worked at Chase Bank, and she's like, no shade on Chase Bank, but if you were a teller <laughs> there, would you want me to sit in the lobby and be like, hey, babe. Great job with the, the with, with with cashing that check. Hey, you, you got that loan approved. You got that loan got approved. Hey, yeah. man, you don't know, like no. And yeah. she's like, so so. I think for her, um, she's had to recognize like what is good for her emotional and mental and physical like and spiritual health. And she's just like, I love you. I love your ideas. I just um, for me in this season, that's that's not it. And so it's 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 like. Okay, it's not what yeah. I would have dreamed it to be, but that is a reality of collateral damage. Is she was she pretty on board with coming back this way? Yeah, she. Or was she, that kind of a tough sell? Or because the kid, you didn't ask. Yeah, you know the kids kind of decided. Was that a little bit more easier of a thing for her? Or? I was probably last. Okay, to be honest, because I, I just, um, I'm a strategic pragmatist. I, that's I I can see, and I'm like, and we're going back into some areas where we're going to be going into target and what yep. happens if we see this person and what happens if our kids don't have a great experience or what happens if I, it's, it's easier for me to get on a plane and fly there and yeah. fly back home. <laughs> yep. It's as it is, is terrible as three hour flight, distance. three hour drive, the distance, but yep. there's distance coming back and having to be here and our lives be open to people who are, who love us and, and, and that we love and then people who uh, Starbucks moments, right? Like Starbucks the potential yeah. of more of those same yeah. kind of moments with people who totally. still don't just can't piece it together. And at any moment, bro, like we're walking and someone comes up, we don't know. Yeah. Most of the time we don't know. Is this person going to say something? Is this person going to be like, and I would say 90% of the time it's, Oh my goodness! It's so good to have you back. Yeah, we've missed you. Spend some time, right? But time the, can totally, help with some wounds totally, and totally. But I always say with church trauma and church hurt, because uh, I'm starting a little group and we're trying to look at what it's like yeah. to kind of jump into this world again. And I'm dealing with a lot of trauma. Yep. And it's like basically you've cut your arm off with a saw, and now I have to convince you that the saw's safe. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, but there's probably still a little blood dripping yeah. out of that wound, and that's, that's right. where I think we got to get to the point. Where it's like. It's not us. Yeah. It can't be us. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I can't sit here and tell you that it's going to be better this time. And you believe it. There's got to be something more that kind of comes along. It yeah. puts the pieces together. That you're like, oh, yeah. Now I can kind of see that a little bit. So my friend Zach says um, he's a pastor in Texas and Austin, Texas, and you'd love this guy, man. Um, but Zach says um, I'm a sheep dressed in wolves clothing, hmm. and and in the sense like he's like because exactly that like I. I have all of this heart to do good. He's like, I, I'm a white dude, um, p- part of the church, part of the institution who's hurt a ton of people. And I have to like show people, man, I, this is just the wolf's clothing, but like, and, and my heart, I promise you, I promise you, I just want the best for you. But it's scary. It's, it's really, and at some things I don't think are going to trigger people and they do. And 
some points I think are going to trigger people and they don't. And so it's just you're in everybody's journey with church hurt and where they're at towards healing is all in different places. Yeah. So it, so in some ways it grounds you. It makes you go slower. It makes you be more attuned to your people and not just to where you want to achieve in the ideas. Um, but man, it's, it's, it is hard. I, I sat with a bunch of therapists before I came back um, in, in the Northwest suburbs and some like real trauma therapists around the country that were the best. And I just said, what do I need to know? And obviously the ones in the Northwest suburbs couldn't, couldn't tell me exactly, yeah, but they told little... me themes yeah. of like, Hey, just know it was really helpful. And I was like, that's oh, smart. That's very, my very smart. Yeah. And if you're going to pastor people, you got to pastor people, not to where you want to take them, but where their wounds and where they actually are, you yeah. know? And so, so yeah. Yeah, because the two things I take away from that are it's insanely, like, God wisdom, I think, in you to have that perspective. Because, you know, my youth group had a 1,000 kids in it. We launched youth pastor after youth pastor after youth pastor. And then those churches chewed them up, spit them out, Mm -hmm. and now they're plumbers and they're, you know, sound guys and all these different things. And um, I remember I got fired from a church for, I can't stupidest reasons in the world uh smoking a cigar at a golf outing someone said fuck on my facebook i mean it, and at this time my youth group which was zero when i got there is bigger than the church like yeah. stuff's happening yeah. like truly like yeah. move a god yeah and it's like the sabotage and i'm like i looked i'm like you like the devil one today i mean i was so yeah. angry yeah next day i get this magazine in the mail it's like youth source magazine and the cover says striving and thriving under the unrealistic expectations of church leadership and mm. i'm like Hmm, that's timely. And then when I turn to the, that article, and I get chills because it, it's just one of those moments where you're like, whoa. It says, if you're not called, you're never going to make it. And if you are called, you can never quit. Wow. And I feel like that's what I try to talk to people about in the sense of like, I know some people that are so gifted and love people and great communicators and so creative, and they're just done, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just so burnt out and they can't come back. And what the trauma they went through is too much. Yeah. And I think that's where it's just so sad to me. But it's it's so encouraging to see someone who has those gifts and that ability mm-hmm. and through one of the worst situations still kind of press through and still, you know, take on this this thing in Elgin. And yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's just really encouraging. Thanks, so. man. Well, and, and I think, you know, when you read in Hebrews, it talks about a cloud of witnesses. You know, yeah. I think when you can bear witness to other people who have gone through the fire and in the face of just, yeah, having to handle something that they, some issue that they didn't ask for, that they didn't cause. And they're like, and they, they kept going, you know, and, and really, you know, sitting with younger people of color. I remember this one moment and and I was, uh, I was talking to this young woman and she, she works in an urban area and she, uh, she's hearing my story and, I was at this like leaders gathering and at the end of it, she's like, Hey, uh, how old are you? And I was like, uh, I think at that time I was 40, 41. And she's like, huh? And I'm like, I could just tell she was thinking. And I was like, what, <laughs> what? She's like, I feel like at 41, you're going through a moment where someone who had more power than you let you down and betrayed you. And, and but she didn't know. She didn't know. She yeah, didn't know yeah. who this person was. Didn't know anything. Then like, and I was like, yeah. And she and and she's like, she's like, I hope you don't take offense to this, but man, like, I went through that my whole life. Hmm. 
of people saying they were going to be there and weren't and people saying that they were going to help our family and didn't and people who Man. said and like systems of in, injustice and oppression and 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 all of a sudden it, it really dawned on me oh my goodness if i'm actually going to learn how to grieve and i'm going to learn how to handle suffering i actually need to go be with people who have had to walk this and actually rise above it and there and and i just i would i found myself profoundly helped by um people who had been through it and gone yeah. through it and still continue to have hope and and so that's that's just been something for me that i'm like man if it was wasn't for mentors it wasn't for <laughs> counseling and some some like weekly intensive like trauma therapy and people who had really embraced suffering um as a as a gateway to to engaging with Christ in different ways. Um, I don't, I don't think I would be here. Yeah. You know? And we're, we're going to have a church trauma therapist, local one come on. Yeah. And I'm like excited and like, just so scared. Yeah. Cause I mean, Oh yeah. It, yeah. It, it just, it hurts my heart. Cause I'm, you know, again, like Gandhi said, you know, keep your Christians, give me your Jesus. And yep. it's so true. Like it's not, it's like the worst representation that we could be yeah. is this thing. And yeah, I think that's really smart. So do you feel, um, in Elgin, you know, obviously Har- Harvest, Willow, um, you know, like you said, you can't mess it up this time. And not, you know, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. But do you feel like that's like the, like, if you're like, this is the heart of Elgin campus is to, you're going to attract people and people are going to come and you're going to get the second shot with them to kind of put some, reinstill faith in the church system. Maybe not God, maybe they were, you know, fine the whole time. How does that feel to you how do you how do you address that like to a staff that wasn't at willow and that maybe where it didn't deal with these types of traumas knowing like hey bullets are going to fly through this window you need to be ready yeah yeah well and i I think in some ways you know everyone comes in with their own expectation you know for better for worse and um you know some of our staff definitely have parachuted in and have no context to the good stories of a number of the churches that were in that area that, yeah. you know, and, and, and the bad stories, I think they, and so, um, so I think that's, that's important to help give them a bit of context. I think secondly is part of, part of the heart of what we're trying to do is helping them live a more cruciform life. And that's just being shaped and formed by the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. And that's, um, for me, everything, yeah. you know, if I, if I can help people engage and go deeper with Christ in a way that has nothing to prove, nothing to lose and nothing to hide. We, we've done our job. Yeah. Um, and, and you feel like that's kind of like the motto of this season right that's now. Right, that's right. Cause that's I've heard right. you say it a couple of yep. times. It feels yep. like that's kind of like, like the really driving force it of right is. now. It is. And, and, um, there's a lot easier things that I could be doing, you yeah. know, and there's yeah. a lot bigger platforms I could have stepped into. Um, my soul needs this. Yeah. My, like my, like this is, this is in so many ways was our kids agency, but it was also my dream. And there's a book called the power of place by Daniel Grothy. And he talks about how, you know, all these, you know, desert mothers and fathers, you know, and, and, you know, church leaders, they, they, they had their name, Francis of Assisi. There was always a place that was connected to them. So, you know, it's like Justin of Rockford. You know, it's like you have this connection to a place. I just have this connection to the Northwest suburbs. I get it. I get Chicagoland. And so I think for me, recognizing that and just going, I don't have to prove anything. I'm not trying to create, you know, 
Willow 2.0, that, that that story happened. Yeah, and that yep. that's it. That was that is their it's story. It's a new thing. It's a new day. Is, exactly, it's a new page. Exactly, it's not and, even probably a new book. Yeah, and and it's just taking all of the good that I learned at Mars Hill and Grand Rapids, or in Rock Harbor and Costa Mesa, or Willow, and just saying, okay, how do I take that and infuse that with what some of my other team has learned, and with what Christ is stirring, and let's see what wants to happen. Yeah, I think that's awesome, man. Like I said, I I don't know put in those shoes and put in the, that situation if I'd be able to handle it the same. I think there's a lot of natural emotions and things like that yeah. to just kind of take over. And I think it is awesome. You have people in your life like Rob who can call you in, in one of maybe the lowest, yeah. craziest times of your <laughs> life and speak a little peace into your heart. Totally. Um, and I think that's big. Uh, last couple of minutes, you just want to talk. I know you got a book that you just wrote. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, in, in the craziness of all of this, <laughs> yeah. um, do you want to talk a little bit about that and what that means to you and like, you know, sure. Well, let me, let me say this real quick. Just one thing is I don't want to act like I have man, somehow this ability to, um, rise above the triggers and the trauma. I mean, just yesterday, um, with our core team in Elgin, we have this like Slack channel and there's people just asking questions and it's hard when you read emails or I'm yeah. sure when you get Yelp reviews or something you're like you can't oh, you, yeah. yeah you can't you can't you can't hear their voice and um I got to call my therapist and I was like hey do you just got like an hour <laughs> and just I just need to process through this because it it just uh it, it hit me you know yeah. and, and that's and I think what I'm learning now is I can't stuff it and just push through I've got to like make space for the tenderness of that trauma and, and allow, okay, some wisdom and guidance to come. Um, but yeah, that's, and that's also at the heart of the book. The book is called the thing beneath the thing, basically why we do what we do and what to do about it. And, you know, Paul writes in Romans, uh, I don't understand what I do. The good I want to do, I just don't do, but the thing I hate, I do. And so this is really just trying to help people understand a little bit more, Hey, what you do and why you do it often comes out of, um, past wounds and past hurts and then people get close to those past wounds and past hurts and we react and that energy is going to take us somewhere and so i try to help people understand where they go in hideouts where they go in insecurities where they go in false stories for others and also um what might it look like to to really not just some grace that it has us like escape here and go up to heaven but like to really experience the power of grace in the here and now to heal um, those past wounds and trauma. So that's just my best attempt to help people yeah. understand why they do what they do. Yeah, and I think that, that grace thing, I've always wanted to do a series called The F Word. Yeah. Um, where we forget, you know, we talk about God's forgiveness, forgiving others, forgive ourselves. I think we're some people are really good at the other people, but yeah. then the self is the last part that we kind of deal with. And I don't think a lot of us know how to really, you know, like you said, you apologize to those women, but I'm sure there came a moment where you had to apologize to yourself 100%. to move forward because right? yep. you can't live back there. There's nothing left back totally. there. It's all forward from here on out. Well, and, and if you think about this is, you know, oftentimes when we think about gossip, it's like if I were to, you know, uh, Jessica Carner, da, 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 da. And like, it's like Plato theology and I shape and I form you into some image that I want other people to believe. But our insecurity when we haven't forgiven ourselves we gossip about ourselves mm. all the time. Man, yeah. I'm such a little piece of, you know, like, I'm like, that what voice. is wrong with me? Da, 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 da. Yeah. And I'm just shaping my, not the Imago Dei, the image of God, but I'm just shaping this, this thing of how I see myself. And I'm like, that's not actually true. And, and then I put that out into the world, whether trying to project that I'm better or worse, 
powering yeah. up or powering down. And I think really truly like someone much wiser than I am said true humility is just taking up your rifle space, hmm. you know? So, yeah. And then, so last question, then we'll let you be free. Yeah, you're good. Um, again, people listen, a lot of people listen to this. They know me. They know yeah. I'm a little weird, a little crazy. Um, and again, I went to youth group, a thousand kids. So then there's a lot of people that from that or something, the next level or the Lex, who knows where yeah. down the line. Um, for people that maybe were in ministry or were burned by a church at some point in time, they've been through it. Maybe they're still stuck in some trauma. Um, just what would you say to those people? You know, and I, and I know you're kind of living in it. Yeah. You, you yourself, and then also, you know, the community that surrounds you a little bit. Um, cause again, that's the whole purpose of this is I just want people to hear and, um, I, like you said, we can't fix anything Our, you know, listen, this won't fix anything. Uh, but just what, you know, if you had one shot to kind of tell those people like, Hey, blank, what would you say? Yeah. For, for anyone who's experienced any form of church trauma first, you know, the pastoral side of me just says, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, um, we, you know, one of the 10 commandments is to not misuse the name and, and it, we think it's about swearing, but it's about carrying the name. Yeah. And, um, for many, many people of influence and power and authority, they've miscarried the name. And that miscarriage has, has provided a lot of pain and I'm sorry. And so that's, that's first and foremost. Second thing I'd say is, um, you have to respect that trauma. Yeah. And, um, we all will have places like you and I, we want to achieve our way out of it. Um, but for many of us, we don't have the muscle memory to know how to grieve and lament and weep and and then I think also um, to really personalize who it is hmm. and what they did and part of the grieving that I've had to learn was I'm not just grieving what is or what was I'm grieving what I thought I was going to be yeah and so I that thought I thought my life was going to look like this yeah I thought we were going to do this together I thought you had my back I thought those people who I worked with were going to call me and say, dude, you got the, you got screwed. I'm so sorry. And now we're left holding the bag. Yeah. And so I just say, Hey, whatever you can do to, to walk into that desert, to realize that, um, what you experienced is real. It's terrible. It's, it's, and then also to not do it alone. Um, do it scared, yeah. but don't do it alone. And I always tell them like, God's pissed too. Oh yeah, for sure. There's no part of him that's like happy that someone abused his name and the power that it gave them. Right. And Cause I tell him like, if you ever puked on alcohol, which I have several times, yeah. you smell that drink again, whatever I can picture it right now. Yeah. It, it makes you wheezy. Yep. And I think for us, you know, me included, like to read the Bible again was tough to trust yeah. somebody to sit in a four city message and yep. hear someone teach again and go to a worship. Those are all baby steps. That's right. You know, what, what about Bob? What right? about we got to get the baby steps. That's right. That's right. Uh, and that's what I always, it's just baby, like you said, steps in a desert, man. Sometimes it's the littlest of forward movement. A tiptoe right. yep. is, is just, that's okay. That's yep. enough. So yeah. Yep. Sweet, man. Well, thank you so much for popping on the podcast. Uh, you have your own podcast. You want to tell people if they want to catch sure. you on that. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who's a preacher, who <laughs> is called craft and character, but basically it's my attempt to help people get better at the craft of, yeah. of preaching. But I always, always, always want their character to lead the way. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the people, man, what did they, one, uh, there's been so many of these things, but they said their charisma took them where their character couldn't keep them. Yeah. That's, Dave Chappelle. 
Was that Dave Chappelle? Dave Chappelle <laughs> on Oprah said success will take you places that character cannot sustain you. Yeah, and so. I feel like that's where, you know, like some of these people who their church grows to 10,000 in five years, and like, how did I get here? But they didn't have that piece, and that's, that's right. then we're like, why did it happen? That's right. That's it is. That's so. right. Well, awesome, man. Thank you so much. Good luck on uh, this Michigan season. Hopefully, uh, when we see you in however many years, we destroy you. No and uh, we wish you the best. And awesome. so, Praise you, bro. Yeah, anyone listening, we love you. Hope you are well, and we'll talk to you next time.